Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. morning, we're going to look at the last six verses of Acts 15, and our message is entitled, When Unity Turns to Division. Last week, unity, doctrinal questions answered, everybody on the same page. Paul says, hey Barnabas, it's time for round two, let's go man, you ready? Barnabas, I'm ready. But something happens. Let's pick it up where we finished off last week. Acts 15, verse 35. If, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, I'd encourage you to grab one from the pew rack in front of you. I say this nearly every week, and I know I sound like a broken record, but I want to make sure we all understand this. I want to keep myself accountable. And for anyone that's new, I want them to know what our church believes on this issue. If there's anything powerful, life-changing, or eternal that happens while I talk for the next 30, 35 minutes, it is not because of my words. It is because of the words of God. If that is true, I would encourage you to follow along and to see it for yourself. We believe that God's word is where the power is. The power is not in my, 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 my um, personality. The power is not in my illustrations. The power is not in my opinions. The power is not in my traditions. The power is in the word of God. And so if that is the case, follow along and see his word for yourself. If you don't have a copy, there should be one there. If you're following along on an app, uh, on a tablet or a phone, I'll be reading from the King James Version. And you can follow along with us at chapter number 15, the last six verses, but let's pick it up where we were last week. Acts 15, verse 35. Would you read that verse aloud with me together, church? Ready? Begin. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So this is, they came back from the council at Jerusalem. They gave the verdict. Hey, we're good, guys. We can keep preaching Jesus. You you don't have to stop eating ham sandwiches. You can keep preaching Jesus. You don't have to worry about all those extra rules the Jews were trying to put on you. Keep serving him. And then it says, Paul and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. And this isn't my message, but that, that last phrase there struck me, with many others also. You know who we talk and admire when we look at the book of Acts? We admire Peter and talk about Peter. We admire Paul and Barnabas. Those are really three of the biggest characters in the book. But I love that God put those little words in there at the end, with many others also. The reality is, church, that any great work of God is made up of many others also. People who are not well-known, they're not recognized, they might not be on a public platform, but without them, the work of God would not go forward in the way that it does. And I just want to say our church is filled with many others also, people that pray and people that give and people that serve and people that love and not for recognition. And, and if somebody said, oh, who's the pastor of Liberty Baptist Church? Guess what? My name gets put or maybe one of our assistant pastors. I know them and, and you might be unknown, but I just want to say to a bunch of other people, but I just want to say this. God sees, and God knows your labor, and God rewards your labor, and God blesses your labor, and without us laboring together, there is no Liberty Baptist Church. Liberty Baptist Church isn't Ryan Thompson. The church at Antioch wasn't Paul and Barnabas. It was Paul and Barnabas with many others also. 
What a beautiful phrase. And, and this week, there were hundreds in our church who have served, who have cleaned, who have volunteered, who have driven buses, who have gassed up buses, who have taught children, who have held babies, who have sang, who have prayed, who have given financially, who have helped in the offices, who have contacted missionaries, and the list goes on. And I just want to stop, no, nothing to do with my message, but I just want to stop and say thank you to the faithful, godly servants of Liberty Baptist Church. Say thank you. Without you, without them, the church at Antioch would not have been the gospel sending station that it was. And without you, this church would not be. So Paul and Barnabas, they've returned and they're ready to go. Let's check on it. Verse 36. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Hey, Barnabas, are you ready? Let's go. Let's go check on those churches. Barnabas is ready. And Barnabas is on board. And what we're going to find out in verse 37 is he's ready to give his cousin John Mark a second chance. John Mark had gone with Paul and Barnabas on the first trip, and early on he had gone back home. But you know what we find out about John Mark? He must have still been in the church. He didn't quit on God. He must have still been serving. And he must have still had a desire to go back out. He must have, he must have been willing to go back on the second missionary journey, even though he had left it, and, and he was ready to go. Look at verse 37. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. This is his cousin. And again, sounds like a good idea to me. I don't see what's a problem with that. Let's see what Paul has to say. Verse 38. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Basically, what did Paul say? I have to fill in, the line, fill in the blanks and read between the lines a little bit here. They don't give us the exact verbiage. But I think what Paul said was, uh-uh, I don't have time for quitters. Nope. Barnabas, not worth it. That, that guy let us down. We believed in him and he went back. I don't know all the reasons, but I do know whatever the reasons John left, they weren't valid in Paul's sight. If it had been a valid reason, if he had an excused absence, Paul would have let him go on the second one. Paul, did, Paul said, nope, I'm done. I'm not doing that. No way. He's not coming with us. Doesn't that sound a little bit like that bold, brash Paul? No, I'm not taking him. Verse 39, this decades-long ministry partnership. Would you read verse 39 together? Ready? Begin. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. Verse 40 says, And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Verse 39, you can imagine intense emotions. In fact, the, the idea there in the Greek that, that says the contention was so sharp between them, it carries along, that word carries along the idea of almost a violent emotion, a violent division. It led to a division in a relationship and a partnership that had spanned many years. And just like that, their partnership was over. By the way, interestingly, it's the last time we'll ever hear Barnabas' name in the, in the account of, of the book of Acts. In the early church history that's given in the book of Acts, you don't hear from Barnabas again. That's it. Without Barnabas, there is no Paul. But at this point, they go their separate ways. And under divine inspiration of the Holy Ghost, the, the writer Luke of the book of Acts, he follows Paul on his missionary journey. And we don't hear again from Barnabas. Verse 40, we see Paul take Silas. Silas had been one of the ones that came up from Jerusalem when they brought the letter back from the council at Jerusalem. And he had stuck around there. And Paul saw some things in him that he liked. And he said, you know what? Barnabas, I can't do it. 
And I don't know how long that conversation was. Uh, Brother Bill, I don't know if it was days. I don't know if it was hours. I don't know if it was right there. I don't know if they said, let's sleep on it. I don't know how it went, but I do know it says it was a sharp contention. It was so sharp, they couldn't work with each other anymore. Paul said, I can't do it, Barnabas. Barnabas said, Paul, again, this is my, me thinking about it based on that and just human nature. I think Barnabas said, Paul, you're wrong here. There's nothing wrong with him. He's a young guy. He messed up. Give him a second chance. Let, let him come back. He's still in church. He still loves God. Come on, Paul, don't be that way. You know, aren't you glad we didn't give up on you when you were, when you were uh, persecuting the church? Aren't you glad when the rest of the church didn't like you that I brought you in? Come on, Paul. And, and I have to think, Paul said it's too important. i, I got to have people that I can trust. Barnabas, I almost died on the last journey. I, I can't, I've got to have somebody that I know has my back. We might die on this journey. I can't have somebody I can't believe in. And I don't know what the whole conversation was, but I imagine it wasn't just a 10-second conversation with people that loved each other so deeply. And I imagine it was, it was painful. And I, I imagine there were some tears and there was some heartache, but the Bible said they departed asunder. If you can show that map of the second journey there, Tyler, and and uh, if you go to the right there, right above Syria, that word Antioch, you can see Antioch. That's where the church was. And that's where they had started their first missionary journey. This is the second missionary journey. Barnabas and John Mark go and they sail over to Cyprus. That was Barnabas's hometown, home country, home area. So he sails over there, Antioch to Cyprus, that island in the middle. And then Paul and Silas, they go where Paul was from up to Tarsus. So this is where they are in Antioch and they're going. And unity, unity. Last week was so great, wasn't it? Paul and Barnabas united front in Jerusalem, preaching the truth, saying God is working. These men that preached and brought the church together has turned to division. But by God's grace, he's going to take their division and turn it to multiplication. I want to point out a few encouraging observations from these six verses and reminders from this story that I believe we can apply to our lives today. Number one, if you'd like to take notes. Number one, what do I see in this passage that, that I think can help us? Number one, good people can have major differences. Good people, we live in such a, it seems like on the news and in social media, divided and, and we're not able, it's like we can't separate. If you don't believe everything I believe, then I can't respect you as a person and, I, and I, it's my life's goal to destroy you. Cancel culture. We live in cancel culture. And if that person does one thing I don't want, I've got to cancel his life and his career and his family and everything about him. Good people we see here can have major differences of opinion and of thought. Paul and Barnabas had just helped bring unity to the church, and yet they couldn't amicably settle their own disagreements. When you, and, and I guess you could say they did maybe amicably settle it, but, but, but they divided and, in God's plan. But I believe as you read it here and you see that these men, they had these major differences. And you know what happens when you see that, especially in spiritual leaders? That can be really discouraging. I heard that man preach for so long. I saw God use him, and that's how he treats that person? And that's how he treats me? And that's how he treats that one that loved him? And that's how he treats, she treats that one that served with her? And that can be tough to handle. 
You see somebody that you respected and you know God has used and you know God loves and you see a fellow believer, maybe a spiritual leader, and, 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 and you see that and it can be tough. How come that guy said that about that guy? Why can't those Christian leaders get along? I, I thought we we're supposed to forbear and forgive one another. What is the spiritual command when you have division with somebody? And there's a bunch of them, but I think of one, Romans 12, verse number 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men, Romans 12 says. It's a beautiful verse verse, right? As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Great verse, isn't it? Who wrote it? Who wrote it? Uh-oh. Paul. Hey, Paul, practice what you preach. Good men, I think it's in the book, uh, is it Psalms or Ecclesiastes, Job, I can't remember right now. Great men are not always wise. And it's a good thing to remember that good people sometimes can have some major differences. Who wrote the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, that, that charity or love, biblical love, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things. It's long-suffering. Who, who wrote that chapter, 1 Corinthians 13? Paul to the church at Corinth. Who wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Who wrote that, that verse? Paul. And Paul, the one who wrote that verse, was the one who couldn't forgive John Mark and give him a second chance in ministry at this point. Paul. I remember one of my first years in vocational ministry. I was a young man in my early 20s. We had a staff at our, my, our home church there, about 40 or 50 people at that time. And I had grown up, I was reached through that ministry at age nine. I had grown up in that ministry. I graduated from the, uh, the, the junior high school. I graduated from the high school. I graduated from the Bible college. And the people that I was now serving with on staff, many of them had been my coaches and had been my teachers and had taught me in elementary school and had taught me in junior high school and had given me demerits. And the, the principal that had kicked me out of the Christian school was now my mother-in-law. And all of these fun relationships... And all of these authorities in my life, I'm now serving with. And I came into ministry, man, eyes wide, I don't know about eyes wide open, but really excited. I, I came in with this, man, this is, this, I have reached utopia. And we're, I'm just going to work with these people that love God and, and my pastors and my mentors and my teachers. And I was working with these great men and ladies of God who had served the Lord for years. And in some cases, decades. What a privilege. The year was probably 2001 or 2002. And voicemails at that time were still used pretty often. You remember what a voicemail was? Remember that people used to call you? We had a thing called a phone people used to call. And I don't know if you knew that your cell phone, you could take calls and make calls. We don't do that really anymore. And uh, how many of you used to have an answering machine? You remember that? There was, how many of you have no idea what an answering machine is? Let's see. You have no idea what an answering machine is. And it was a box that, that, that had a blinking red light and people would leave you messages. And... Uh, and so voicemails were still pretty common. Sometimes people use them at that point, about 20 years ago, even more than text messages or emails. And, and, uh, and so voicemails were pretty common. And one of the school teachers, we had two properties, and one of the school teachers, his office was downstairs in the cafeteria. He was the music teacher. And they had this kind of a, a closet area, but they had turned it into an office for him because the ministry had grown and they were just using every nook and cranny for space. And during a work day, the uh, church staff had come over and they were cleaning some stuff up. And one of the assistant pastors had, had, had been told to clean up an area and he took a bunch of stuff and he put it and stuffed it in this, music, in this closet that was this music teacher's office. 
Well, needless to say, the music teacher wasn't real excited. And, and so the teacher left the assistant pastor a voicemail telling him in no uncertain terms to come get the junk out of his office. And if he didn't, they were going to have a problem. The assistant pastor responded with a voicemail that basically said, clean it out yourself, and if you want a problem, I'm ready. Come and see me face to face and we'll settle this like men. These are the guys who had taught me Christian love and forgiveness and compassion for decades. I'm a 22 or 23-year-old, wet behind the ears, Bible college graduate, thinking church ministry was this nonstop utopia of prayer and fasting, Bible memory and holy pixie dust all around us in the hallways while we all walked around with our halos on. You say, Pastor Ryan, how do you know that the assistant pastor sent a voicemail back to the music teacher to tell him, basically, come fight me if you want to deal with this? How do you know he sent that? Because the phones had this feature where you could forward a voicemail to everybody that had a phone. And so the, mu the music teacher, he forwarded it so that everyone on both properties had a red blinking light when they got to the office the next morning. And he started it. He said, hey, staff, I hope you're doing well this morning and just wanted to start your morning off with some encouraging words from brother so-and-so. And he hung up. And it was brother so-and-so saying, clean it out yourself. And if you've got a problem, come see me. I don't have any. And he went on and on. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there listening to this like, what? This is not supposed to happen. These are the guys that preach to me, and how can that happen? What did I learn early on? Good men who have given their lives to the Lord can have contention and division and differences at times. It doesn't make it right, but it's, it's a part of our reality. At times, good men can fight, and greatly used men make mistakes. I read it said this way, all Christians walk with limps. There is no perfect Christian, and none of us have arrived at perfect sanctification. And spiritual men and women sometimes respond in the flesh, with flesh, which in my opinion is what happened here. Good men responded in the flesh, one or both of them. The Bible says there was a sharp contention. The book of Proverbs says it's only by pride that contention comes. I believe that pride got in the way of this relationship. And Barnabas said, we've got to take him, give him another chance. And Paul said, I, I don't have time to give people chances where my life, my neck is on the line. And they divided. You say, Pastor, well, who was right here? The Bible really doesn't tell us. You can infer some things, but it doesn't really say. Kent Hughes says, our judgment goes with Paul. Seems like he made the right decision, but our hearts go with Barnabas. Wearsley pointed out there are different reactions this way. He said, Paul looked at people and asked, what can they do for God's work? Barnabas looked at people and asked, what can God's work do for them? They both had different spirits. Paul said, is that man good for the work? Barnabas said, can the work help that man? Who was right? I think there's a place for both in God's work. But good men sometimes, don't let that disillusion you. Don't let that discourage you. Don't let that get you off track, which leads to our, our second point. Our second point is this, when divisions happen, stay focused on your calling. Good men can have major differences and sometimes divide and in, in, within a church and within uh, maybe other churches and within a ministry partnership, this can happen. And when divisions happen, stay focused on your calling. Neither Paul, I want to point out from this passage, neither Paul nor Barnabas made it their life's work to demean, discount, or undermine the other. Neither of them stayed there in Antioch and caused a church split. 
Neither of them went, stayed there in Antioch and started a blog or started a podcast or started a Facebook page to tell everybody else why Barnabas was wrong or why Paul was wrong. Well, Barnabas, doesn't, Barnabas could say, and, and his could be, you know, words of grace and truth. And Paul just doesn't love people the way that he should. And, and Paul could have started a, a blog or a podcast contending for the faith. Barnabas is just a sissy. He doesn't take a strong enough stand. Neither of them wasted their time with that. What did both of them do when they divided? You know what they did? They kept their focus on their calling. Barnabas and Mark sailed to Cyprus. The world's dying and going to hell. My heart might be broken. I might miss that friendship and that relationship. They were real people. But you know what? That This may, might not be what I foresaw coming. But God still has a work to do. People still need to hear about Jesus. Hey, John, Mark, let's go tell people about Jesus. And what did Paul say? I, I'm going to miss Barnabas. And man, I loved that man. I still love that man. But it just didn't work out with us. Hey, Silas, we're not going to sit here, spend our lives trying to tear down Barnabas. Let's go tell people about Jesus. Let's go to those churches and confirm them. And for you and for me, when divisions happen, when hurt comes, we need to stay focused on our calling. Barnabas took Mark and kept serving God, telling people of Christ. Paul took Silas and kept serving God, telling people of Christ. Satan loves to use discord and division to distract us from our calling. How many churches have lost their gospel witness because they turned their attention to fights and bickering amongst themselves? They lost purpose of the sight of their calling because of division and difference of opinion. If we're not careful, we'll get so focused on that pastor who did us wrong, that church that hurt us, that Christian who opposed us, that we become a, a consumed with our hurt or hurting them back, and we lose sight of God's love and purpose in our lives. We don't know for sure who wrote this, but many believe Paul wrote it in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 12, the Bible says, Follow peace with all men. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We don't know that Paul wrote that. Many believe he was the writer of Hebrews. If he was, it's coming from him. If he wasn't, it doesn't matter. It's the truth nonetheless. What does he say? Follow peace with all men. Do your best to get along with everybody. But if you don't, guard your heart against bitterness. If a hurt comes, if a division comes, talk to it on our starting point class, the largest starting point class in the history of our church these last three weeks. We have one more week of that. And I told them, if God is leading you to liberty from another church, make sure you're leaving for the right reasons and in the right ways. Make sure your heart is right. Because if you allow bitterness to come in, it will spring up and defile you, trouble you and defile many. What does that mean? There are many you could have helped, you'll never help. There are many that, that your life could have touched, it will never touch. Why? Because you focused on your hurt, not your calling. You focused on how someone did you wrong, not your calling. Well, I'm never going back to a church. You don't know what that person did to me. Have you ever heard somebody say, all pastors are hypocrites. The church hurt me and didn't care for me. In my time of need, they let me down. By the way, is what they're saying true? Undoubtedly. Have churches hurt people? Absolutely. Have pastors been hypocrites? Sure. Have Christians done wrong in the name of God? Yes. But you know what I see here? Sharp contention, sharp division. Go preach, go preach. Keep my focus on my calling, not my hurt. What if Paul and Barnabas had allowed this to derail them from God's purpose? There are so many places in the world that would have never received the gospel. And very likely, if you follow the path of how the gospel came to us, 
Very possibly, you and I would never have heard of Christ if Paul and Barnabas let this division get them off track. Very possibly, you and I know Jesus Christ as Savior today because Paul and Barnabas didn't let that broken relationship define their lives and ministry. What hurt are you allowing to define your life and ministry? And that root of bitterness is troubling you and it's defiling many. It's hurting many others around you because you're, you've not gotten victory. Problems will come in this journey. People will fail you. Good Christians will disagree with you and may even separate from you. You know what we do? Keep your eyes on Christ. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God's stay in his word. Stay busy in his work. Keep your eyes on, on him. There are many more people for you to help. When I first got here five years ago, I was, I was in, a, in a truck or a car, a vehicle with a member of our church and was talking to one of the most faithful and encouraging longtime members of our church. And I, as I do with anybody that I'm getting to know, I, I asked, I said, tell me about your testimony. And he said, well, I, I grew up, didn't grow up knowing anything about God, didn't grow up in church, but as an adult, an older man that knew Christ, he kept after me. He kept after me. And as a young man, I believe in his 20s, he said, I, I, I finally trusted Christ as Savior. Completely changed my life. He, he said, uh, my wife and I, we began to attend a Bible preaching church. We began to grow in the Lord and we got plugged in and I helped serve with the youth group and we went off to teen camps and the church softball league and things were going great. Our, we, were, we were serving the Lord in that church, my wife and I, and God blessed us with a child. And I just met this man not too long ago. Didn't really know him, just learning his, his life story. You know what he told me? I'll never forget it sitting in there. This was one of the most joyful Christians I've been around, one of the most encouraging men I've been around. You know what he told me? In fact, he was one of, I think, the only one after we came here that mailed a letter back to Northern California to say we're so excited for you to be our pastor. This man went out of his way to encourage the pastor and his wife. You know what he told me? He told me, Pastor Ryan, there was one day I found out my wife was leaving me. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. He's, and, 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 and do you know who he told me his wife left him with or for? Their pastor. Now, what would the human response to that be? The human response to that would be bitterness. Distrust of any spiritual leader ever again. By the way, humanly speaking, would that reaction be justified? Sure it would. I'm never going to church again. Not only did I serve in that church and try to love that man and give money to help pay his salary and my weekly offerings, and, I, and that man destroyed my family. That man split up my marriage. That man, and the heartache and the burden, and, and it struck, that would be the natural human reaction. But do you know, and I'm not saying he hasn't dealt with some of those emotions since that day, but do you know what de defines that man's life? Joy and love and forgiveness and a passion for God and excitement for the work of God, encouragement for the servants of God. He has given his life to love and to serve. And by the way, there are thousands of lives since that day that have been eternally impacted for the Savior. Our family of seven being one of them, every person in my family has been eternally impacted by this man's life. And, and you know, we would have never done it had he not kept his focus on his calling when the hurts of life came and, and the divisions and the, the, the discouragement and the anger and all of that. If he had allowed 
that human failure to get his eyes off of God's calling and purpose for his life, there would be thousands of people who would not have been blessed and helped by his Christ-like love and faithful service to God. Church member, what am I saying this morning? Has somebody hurt you and they've done you wrong? You don't agree with the decision they made? Don't lose sight of God and his gospel. Don't lose sight of his love and his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and his healing in your life. Remember, when you think about how they hurt you, remember you hurt him. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. I don't know if I can forgive that. Well, you only have to forgive them as much as God's forgiven you. At that point, you're done. That's it. If you can look me in the eye and say, I've forgiven them the way that God forgave me, then whatever bitterness comes after that level of forgiveness, you're entitled to. Whatever animosity and anger and, 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 and revenge comes after that level of forgiveness, you're entitled to. Guess what? How much animosity and bitterness and revenge is, is, comes after that level of forgiveness? None. Keep your eyes on your calling. Keep going through disappointments. Keep loving through hurts. Keep serving through pain. Keep giving through betrayal. And by the way, church, we are never more like Christ than when we live like that because that's how Christ lived. What does the Bible say? But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet, talk to me, what? What? Christ died for us. We're never more like Christ than when we show love to those who have hurt us. We're never more like Christ than when we show forgiveness to those who don't deserve it. Number three, what do we see in this passage, these six verses? Give people mercy, love, and time. Believing in people, even after they haven't lived up to your expectations, can have a powerful effect. We see it in this passage. Barnabas gave John Mark another chance. Did you know that years later God would use him to write one of the four accounts of Jesus' earthly life and ministry? You, you, call, you and I call it the gospel according to Mark. God wasn't done with him, even if Paul was. Give people love and mercy and time. People can change. God can use them in spite of their failures. By the way, it's the only ones he gets to use. He has to use us in spite of our failures. What if Barnabas had given up on him? Who knows what would have happened? What if Paul had given up on him? Paul had given up on him. Guess what? Paul eventually came around too. John Mark could have become bitter at Paul. Paul could have decided, I'll never talk to him again. But did you know that Paul mentions John Mark positively three more times in the New Testament? After this division, he mentions him positively in Colossians 4, in Philemon 24. And, and even says in 2 Timothy 4.11 as he's writing to young Timothy. He says, only Luke is with me. What are the next two words there, church, on the screen? Only Luke is with me. What does it say? Take, take Mark and bring him with thee. Why? For he is what, church? Profitable to me for the ministry. He's profitable. Did Paul think he was profitable in Acts 15? Yes or no? Did Paul think he was profitable in 2 Timothy 4? Give people time, mercy, and love. It's amazing what can happen when you believe in somebody. By the way, if you're John Mark and you've been hurt by Paul, if you're John Mark and you've been hurt by Paul, he gave up on you, give Paul time, love, and mercy. By the way, if you're Paul and you've been hurt by John Mark, he betrayed you. Give him time, love, and mercy. You never know what God might do. Number four, and we're done. This passage teaches us that God can use our humanity for his glory. 
We said that the title is When Unity Turns to Division, but I could have very easily entitled this message When Division Turns to Multiplication. When Division Turns to Multiplication. You see, because before this division, how many missionary teams were there, church? There were how many missionary teams before this division? Paul and Barnabas. After this division, how many missionary teams are there? God used their humanity to further the cause of the gospel. God multiplied their efforts. There are now two groups going out preaching the gospel. What I believe was a human failing with Paul and Barnabas, God used for his glory. By the way, why was Silas in Antioch anyways? The only reason Silas was in Antioch was because there had been division. God used division to bring Silas to Antioch to equip him to go out on a missionary journey. Because there had been doctrinal error in the church. Without that division, Silas wouldn't have been there. God, what am I trying to say? God uses negatives and turns them to positives in a way that only he can do. God takes what is a negative, humanly speaking, and uses it as a positive for the glory of God. Did you know that, this is going to sound like bragging, but did you know that in my first six weeks as pastor of Liberty Baptist Church, our church started two other churches in Orange County? You don't have to hold your applause, but that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Brother Ray, you've been around churches a lot. Do you know of very many churches that have planted two churches in the pastor's first six weeks? Not a whole lot. Thank you. I appreciate one person that recognizes that. <laughs> Sounds great, doesn't it? The reality is it wasn't joyful circumstances that led to both of those churches being started here in Orange County. There was some division and some disagreements that existed before I got here and continued after I got here. And very quickly, it led to scores of members leaving Liberty under not great circumstances. I wasn't excited about it. It wasn't, it wasn't something that I rejoiced about. Boy, I, I know how to grow a church. By negative 80 to 100 in six short weeks, they'll ask me to write a church growth book pretty soon. Church attendance went from here to here. This morning, as far as I know, both of those churches are holding services and preaching the Bible in Orange County today. And in the last five years, those churches have reached people we never would have reached. Now, I wouldn't have chosen for those churches to be started the way that they were. I'm not, that's not a criticism of, of them. I have no animosity or ill will. I've talked with both of the men, that, that those that have been in the church for five years, you know exactly who I'm talking about. This is not a criticism of, of any of those men or their wives or the families that left. I, I just saw some of them recently at a wedding here this summer, and I went and shook their hands and asked them how things are going. The, 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 God, what am I saying? I don't hold any animosity. I hope they don't toward me. I, I didn't try to hurt anybody, and there were some existing things that were there that, that before I got here that continue when I got here and that's what they decided was best for their family what they needed to do and others decided to go with them I didn't love the circumstances but what am I saying today God can use what I might view as a negative there are more people in church between the ministry of liberty and those two other churches in Orange County today than there would have been uh, five years ago before any of that happened now this this is not saying okay what pastor's telling me is I need to go find a church and split it as many times as I can God did not give you the spiritual gift of discord and division. That's, God did not give you that. That is not his plan. It's unscriptural. It's not what he wants. He wants the brethren. I read it in Psalm 133, how beautiful and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Don't say, man, pastor told me, basically, if I want the gospel to go forward, I got to make everybody I know mad. 
That's what he preached today. And every Barnabas in my life, I'm separating from him. I'm never talking to you again. I'm never talking to you again. We're done. We're done. And I can't wait to see all of Orange County reach for the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is when those human difficulties and divisions and discords come, God can take them and turn the negative into a positive. Again, not justifying discord or division, but, and I'm going to pick a church, a fight in church and online and everywhere else so that the gospel can multiply. No, God has not given any of us the spiritual gift of division. He wants his body unified, but God uses us in spite of us. He can take our mistakes and our slip-ups, and he can keep moving, keep his work moving forward even when we mess up. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that a blessing? God uses us in spite of us. He uses broken, failed people because that's all he has to work with. I don't know what you need to be reminded of this morning, but here, what do we see? When unity... Everything's good last week. Turns to division. Doesn't look so good this week. But what are some of the takeaways? I don't know what you needed to hear this morning or reminded of. Did you need to be reminded of that good people can have major differences? It happens sometimes. Give them grace. Number two, did you need to be reminded that you need to stay focused on your calling, not your hurt? That root of bitterness that has sprung up in your heart. Did you need to be reminded that people can change? So give them a chance to. Give them some time, some mercy, some love. You might be calling for John Mark because he's profitable to you later on in your life. If you'll give some people some space. Did you need to be reminded that God can use us, shortcomings, failures, and all. Because God can use our humanity for his glory. What a powerful passage to close the chapter. Next Sunday morning, we're, we're in our missions extravaganza. I hope you'll be a part of that event. And I'll be preaching next Sunday morning as we move into Acts 16. I hadn't planned it this way, but God has us right here as Paul starts his second missionary journey as we kick off missions extravaganza next Sunday morning. I'll be preaching there this morning. Unity turned to division, but then division turned to multiplication. Let's carry these thoughts with us this week. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.